So, I just don't think that I have the stones to be a mobster. I just don't think I can do it. I don't think it's stones. I think it's it's a healthy mix of stupidity <laughs> and psychopathy. Okay. I guess you could quantify that as stones. Yeah. I I think I'd be I think I'd be great at the mafia when it comes to the not murdering part. So so being like a Weasley bookie, you think you could be good at that? I could be a great Weasley bookie. I could carjack someone. I could I got, I got no compunctions with shooting someone. I know that's going to sound terrible and immediately put me on an NSA li- watch list. I'm just saying, I don't really got a problem shooting someone, but killing someone, I have a problem with. I don't think it's the actions of being a mobster that would bother me. I think it's the paranoia that would fucking destroy... I feel like I would just be one giant walking ulcer. You know what? <laughs> I... Because even if you're, like, a bookie or you're a driver or something like that, you still have the fear of, oh my god, the rest of the mafia thinks I'm a fucking rat. And I feel like the the lesser of a job that you have, like the less severe of a job that you're doing, I feel like they're the more of a chance that the higher-ups think you're a rat. Like, if you're, like, murdering people, they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's clearly not a rat. He's fucking killing people. But if you're, like, the dude that delivers the drugs from one warehouse to the other, it's like, oh, that guy's definitely talking to the cops. Yeah, you're totally expendable at that point. I I get what you're saying. You talk about it, like, always assuming that you're going to get in trouble, always assuming that you're going to get whacked, always assuming, you know, (laughs) said it once. I'll say it again, and I've ran this joke into the ground, but I've been married before, so I know what it's like to live with the overwhelming fucking paranoia that you're going to get murdered by someone who's possibly a psychopath who one moment, I love you, I love you so much, to you're a fucking asshole, (laughs) fuck you. I've been married to, I've been to a toxic woman. I know what it's like. I can handle that. I handled that shit like a champ. It's a little bit different. Because, like, to compare it, you would have to have two wives. One, which would lock you up for, you know, whatever the fuck. And then the other one, to think that you're talking to the cops and then kill you. Yeah, it was called her many highly shifting mood changes. They were two different people. Trust me. (laughs) I've been there. I know I could handle the stress of that. As long as I'm making that money, I'm a happy camper. Yeah, I couldn't. Like, there's just no way. I would constantly be paranoid. And the thing is, is like, you could sit there and be like, oh, well, you just don't rat and you'll be fine. It doesn't even matter. All you got to do is have someone say something. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh, you know, this Steven fucker, he's a rat. It's like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. Well, we can't afford to... We, you're just a driver, so I'm just going to shoot. It's like Goodfellas, you know? At the end, it's like, he's a good boy. He's always been a stand-up guy. Yeah, it's true, but uh, can we really take the chance? And then they fucking shoot him in the head like 12 times. Yeah. I'm going to do great accents on this episode, all right? I've got the new... I've got the old... Crime boss, mob boss down. I don't want to get any fucking feedback. Spoiler <laughs> alert. I don't want to get any fucking feedback from people telling me your accent sucks, Joel. Here's a tutorial on how to fix it. Well, we have the we have the feedback to go over later, but we'll get to that. 
<laughs> yeah, spoiler alert for you fine folks at home. Hey everybody, welcome to the Curly Mustache Podcast. I'm Joel. <laughs> and I'm Steven, and we have reached episode 17, and there's a reason that we're talking about the Mafia today, because we are talking about two badass mobsters. Steven! Yes? <laughs> oh, it's so good to see you. It's been so long. Oh, oh did you have some of the baba ganoush when you came in? It's... I'm a fan of gabagool, actually. Uh, gabagool, gababanoush. Babaganoush is Mediterranean food. Hey, hey. <laughs> we here in the mafia are accepting these days. But Stephen, Stephen, my son, I have to ask you a favor. I would be so annoyed if somebody said my name that many times while talking to me. <laughs> okay, Stephen, Stephen. Stephen, my boy, come closer, come closer. I, I need you to do me this favor. I need you to suck on my wife's toes. <laughs> I don't know why you're talking like Don Corleone, because we're not talking about Don Corleone today. Steven, why are you laughing at me? Steven, are you a fucking rat? You're a fucking rat. Hey, Jimmy Two-Tones, shoot this fucker. <laughs> kind of weaved back and forth bet- between like a modern mobster and Don Corleone. I wanted to. That was on purpose. I started with that. <laughs> I started with the classic, and then as we progressed further, as if we're in modern times, we've included now the modern-day take on the mobster. That's called acting. Okay. It's a character <laughs> choice. That's right, folks. We're talking about the great Omerta, the brotherhood that does not exist. Oh, yes, we are talking about the mob. And specifically today, we're talking about... Vincent Palmero, otherwise known as Vinny Ocean, as well as one of my personal favorite TV villains of all time, Tony Soprano. Oh, he's not a fucking hero like your last one? He's not a fucking hero like your last HBO villain hero? Oh, maybe if Tony fucked his sister, you'd be okay with him now. You'd be you'd be more inspirational to you. I'm never letting this go. Just so you know. All right, Vinny Ocean's a pretty badass nickname, too, by the way. It really is. I like, I'm not going to lie to you. Some of them are just... They get these mobsters with the dumbest fucking names. But when they come up with good fucking names... I feel like I want to hear uh, Get Out of My Dreams and Into My Car in a mobster voice. Oh, get out of my <laughs> dreams, bitch. Get into my car. Oh, babush. Bafangul, get out of my dreams, into my car. What are you doing, eh? Fucking hell. <laughs> Vinny Ocean is just Billy Ocean's, like, white cousin. I thought you said Billy Ellish. I was like, how the fuck did you pull that one out of your ass? Vincent Palmero, he's a he's an Italian-American mobster, a de facto boss of the New Jersey de Cavalcante crime family. Uh, he was raised in a traditional, traditional Italian family in Brooklyn, New York. He was born in 1944. Uh, he was said to have kind of a nice lifestyle as a kid, you know, Usually these mob families do because they're a little bit more wealthy. And if there's one thing you say about Italians, they are all about family. (laughs) Until they're not. (laughs) Yeah, until they're not. There you go. There you go. The moment (laughs) someone in the family says something that offends a second cousin that you haven't seen in five years from Sicily (laughs) about a third cousin who's no longer living... The family turns into a pack of bloodthirsty hyenas. Can anyone guess how many Italian women I've dated in my life? It's like both extremes. It's like 
when they're loving, it's like the most fucking loving Christmas Carol style Tiny Tim family of all time. And then like on the other side of the spectrum, it's like a fucking Western Kentucky family reunion, 1999. <laughs> Dude, it's fucking crazy. I watched a bunch of uh, documentaries about uh, Vinny Ocean in preparation for the show. And I've noticed constantly they talk about how the, uh, you know, the, 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 he grew up in a, a traditional Italian family, you know. But I have seen traditional Italian families. They are not nearly as fucking Norman Rockwell as this. <laughs> they are bipolar Bob Ross to Mad Max in 30 seconds or less. <laughs> And before we go any further, I want to make sure we understand, that our listeners understand, I'm not insulting the Italian people. I'm just explaining the experiences I have had with a fiercely traditional Italian family in my life. But if you look at it that way, where they have such strong, for lack of a better term, mood swings within the family, and that's what you grow up in, imagine then that you're put into a criminal enterprise where morals majority of morals go right out the window and now you have a lifetime of reinforced behavior that you learned as a youth and you're surrounded by a whole bunch of other people you are in a powder keg of whole yeah. fuckness and in Vinny ocean's case like his dad died when he was 16 i mean his dad was a mobster essentially but so he did get to see all this stuff when he was a kid but when he was 16 his dad died and his mother became basically a bedridden asthmatic and he had to drop out of high school and hired on to this wholesale fish business called the Fulton Fish Market in uh, in Brooklyn. And this is where he got the nickname Vinny Ocean, you know, because he was a fish hooker. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he, he got the nickname Vinny Ocean because it was his first foray into the criminal uh, enterprise. This is where he started running his first uh, side hustle outside of this was before he became what they refer to not a, a, as an associate someone who works for them who's known to the mob family he's known he's called an associate and before he became an associate this was his you know this was his hustle and uh the de cavalcante family came down and like you know like oh hey you making all this money you're gonna have to kick a little back here how the fuck you doing and basically he kind of impressed him them to begin the process of becoming a uh, uh an associate he his side hustle kind of impressed him later on though he he married the daughter of a big capo in new jersey he was an associate in law then before he got married he was kind of always this like kind of a quiet chill guy and had this affinity for children like and I say affinity as in, like, he cared about children. Like, there was a story where he saw some child getting the shit beat out of him by some guy on the street. And he, like, beat the fuck out of this guy to to stop him from hitting the child. And then he saved this other kid that was drowning in a nearby swimming pool. Yeah, I, I, I love the fact that we have now 17 episodes into. We have to explain what we mean by affinity, <laughs> affinity. for little children. Because that could mean... Well, he likes to cut their dicks off and wear them as as nipple garters. <laughs> it's fucked up when an organized yes. crime, when an when a man who became the the leader of an criminal organization 
he's a better person than 90% of the fuckers we talk about on here. Super fucked up. So in the 1960s, Palmero met and married the niece of uh, Sam DiCavalcante, and he was like of the New Jersey a crime family. Right off the bat, Sam took a liking to Vinny, and he kept inviting him to his social club, and I put heavy, heavy air quotes around social club. And basically, Vinny would work the fish markets in the morning, and then he would hang out with like known mobsters in the afternoons, specifically on Sundays, and basically started a family with his new wife, and was always kind of known as this quiet family man who was a mobster on the side. Like, he was really, really into his kids' lives. Like, he made sure to took his kids, his daughters to, like, Girl Scouts when they were brownies. Uh, after church is when he would go to uh, go to meet with these other mobsters. Because he, he went to church every single Sunday. Uh, he would watch movies with his daughters. Like, this guy, like, was your stereotypical family man. But also, like, <laughs> led this other life of crime. Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. And he was at the still still at that time and it says a lot about him being for lack of a better term appealing to the mob bosses in Jersey. Cuz a lot of people don't know Jersey's the the De Cavalcante crime family in is a Jersey-based uh, crime syndicate and they are considerably smaller. Right. than the New York main five families. So, well, they were often hard up for, oh, stand-up guys, you know? They uh, they were also very, very selective about who they would let into their family. So it says a lot about this guy who is what they would refer to as an associate-in-law, that they would take him, just welcome him. They saw... I, especially, I think, Sam DiCavalcante, his, his uh, father-in-law, I think he saw in him the real potential, and that's why he took him under his wing. And boy, did that fucking vision pay off in spades for this guy later on down the road. Yeah, and like partially the fact that he was this kind of quiet family man played into why they wanted him aboard, too, because when you're a quiet family man, you don't, you don't attract attention from police Yeah, and he was known for having multiple legitimate businesses right and uh and as a as a normal worker too you know he wouldn't be on anybody's radar is basically what we're trying to say he didn't really hang out at the mob owned businesses much aside from like the social gatherings uh on like sunday afternoons he didn't really hang out with the other mobsters it's not like uh you see on like the sopranos or goodfellas where they're all in like restaurants all the time like fucking jawing it up with each other this guy kind of like kept to his own we keep saying quiet but like i mean that in every sense of the word like he did what he had to do and then he was with his family like he really didn't make waves which is important get it you get it yeah Jesus. he didn't waves. make waves oh my god Vinny ocean Jesus, come on we get it don't explain <laughs> wow <laughs> fucker oh yeah i can't <laughs> I just, I can't. <laughs> Vinny Ocean, in my personal opinion, is one of those guys, you know how, because you always have, I don't know about you, but I always had these conversations with my cousins or my friends, like, well, if you were such and such kind of criminal, how would you handle this kind of thing or this kind of thing, right? And we'd all, you know, come up with stupid fucking ideas, but Vinny Ocean was the type of guy who legitimately thought out, okay, my goal 
My goal is to get to the fucking top. How do I get to the top with the minimum amount of police problems and the m minimum amount of effort? And he, that motherfucker, head down, mouth shut, paid him a shit, made him a shit ton of money, and had legitimate businesses for them to run their fucking dirty money through. This guy, I would not honestly be surprised if he, like, at a very young age, started planning this exactly how he was going to do this. Well, speaking of money, that was maybe his biggest problem was being able to handle his money correctly. And that's actually like a theme throughout the rest of his life. Like when he started making money as like a young mobster, he was known for blowing it on a lot of shit, mainly buying stuff like the spoils, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going out and spending it at fucking strip clubs and on alcohol and stuff. It was buying boats and buying houses and stuff. And in, when he got into the mid eighties, like he started racking up the debt quite a bit so at this point he was looking for some bigger jobs on september 11th 1989 he found one he and then tony tony capo was his name and he was this hitman and uh this guy named jimmy gallo they murdered this dude named fred weiss tony capo could there be a more fucking italian mobster name than, <laughs> right. oh look it's tony capo tony capo Oh, hey, how you doing that? Who the fuck I got to shoot the fucking head today? <laughs> well, that's exactly what happened. They were ordered by uh, crime boss Giovanni the Eagle Rigi, and he, that order came through Capo, uh, not Tony Capo, but position Capo, uh, Anthony Rotondo. And basically, Fred Weiss was this former newspaper reporter for the Staten Island Advance, and he was this real estate developer who had become associated with several of the crime families in New York. And uh, Weiss and, like, two mob partners had purchased this land in Staten Island, and they were dumping, like, toxic medical waste there. And uh, basically the cops, local authorities, they discovered the property and began investigating and worried that he was going to eventually flip Gambino boss uh, John Gotti, who is an extremely famous mobster. He requested that the family murder Weiss to protect them. And so... And, and here's what I love about those big mobster fucking requests. Because the five families at that time were under such scrutiny from the FBI. Because you know, the FBI didn't have a real fucking clue for a very long time just how fucking big the mob was. Or even what it fucking was, to be honest with you. So, and how deep the roots ran throughout the country. Right, and, like, all the way down the coast. So, legitimately... <laughs> New York was pretty much, you could not fucking kill anyone there. Anyone from New York, it was just pretty much a kill ban, for lack of a better term. And, you know, the Teflon Don, again with the great fucking names, the Teflon Don came to what New York uh, families would call the sticks. They call them rednecks, they call them hicks, they call them the farmers. Because, you know, it's way out in the middle of fucking Jersey. And, you know, he's just like, hey, I want to ask you... A favor from my family. I hate that shit when they do that. Like when, when <laughs> powerful people, like my, when they ask a favor, yeah, or when they, they request ask a something, fucking favor. When you know as well as I fucking do that there is no way that you could say no, exactly, because you would just die too. <laughs> yeah, it's John fucking Gotti. When the Teflon Don asks you a fucking favor it's just fucking just just it's not a fucking favor. it's like when the big boss like my big boss of north america comes in he's done this i think twice now no names but he will ask you know he'll be like 
he comes back to my area and be like, all right, guys, I need to ask you a real small favor. <laughs> when the president of all North American operations for a multi-billion dollar con company says, I need to ask you all a personal favor. It's the same as when a fucking mobster does it. I hate that shit. This is a bit of a rant. I apologize. No, it's not. It's perfectly valid because I was going to bring up the same fucking thing. Like, there is no saying no. There is. It's not a favor. It's not a request. It's literally an order. It's just masked as. Exactly. And it's hard for me because he, he looks very much like a hipster version of the director of Thor Ragnarok and what we do in the shadows. So it's very weird. Like, I want to hate him, but at the same time, like, you made one of the best Marvel movies ever. Yeah, meanwhile, he's going home and jerking off to the fact that he has such power and control over you. I am not going to say <laughs> that because I I know for a fact none of my coworkers listen. <laughs> but I don't want to risk him listening out of the blue. That's fine. I'm the one that said it, so. I like the guy, but some shit's just annoying. <laughs> There's my... There's my cover my ass moment. Please continue. Like I said, he Weiss gets in the car and they immediately just shoot him in the fucking face. See, now there's a bit of a discrepancy because, and that's, the, there's two stories. Like, of the four little documentaries I watched, two of them were, you know, Weiss found himself in the vehicle and was shot point blank in the face. And then the other one is, he told his daughter, like his daughters go back inside the house, right? He's walking out to the car and here comes Vinny Ocean, just hoofed it right up, shot him in the fucking face three or four times, and then just walked away calmly. See, I had read that it was all three of them that shot him. All three had shot him, but Vinny Ocean knew, here's my big fucking chance to make to do what they called make, make your bones. Right, right. He was given the order. And it actually, you know, it ended in success because right after that he was promoted to capo and uh, given his own crew. Yeah, he was fast-tracked to become a made man. See, the thing is, is that he was not a made man. This was his time to fucking shine. And again, going back to how smart this motherfucker is, he knew that, which is why I think everyone else is calmly walking up to murder this guy, and he is fucking... Richard Simmons power walking his way up to him in front of him like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to shoot you first right in the fucking face. Oh, hey, here we go. Make sure my arms are going. We get the cardio. Power walk, motherfucker. So Giovanni Rigi went to prison in 1989 and uh, Palmero was appointed by a guy named Johnny Boy D'Amato uh, as his acting boss. And soon after that, um, news about D'Amato being a bisexual came out from his girlfriend who was basically spreading it around the family. And, uh, Vinny Ocean was ordered to murder D'Amato to avoid embarrassment for the entire crime family because, let's face it, like homosexuality and bisexuality, that was not looked on looked upon lightly by Italian mobsters. Ah, uh, Italians in general. Yeah. <laughs> and again, not talking shit, but I listened to an 89-year-old Italian woman say some of the most hateful shit I've ever heard. And I've interviewed the Westboro Baptist Church. And this 89-year-old, 90-year-old Italian great-grandmother from fucking... No, I'm sorry, Sicilian. Grand, great-grandmother said some shit I'd never fucking heard before. Right. So, like, And that just fucking amazes me where it's just like, Oh, we're good, you know, we're not gonna hurt kids. We're not, you know, we don't hurt women, we don't hurt children. We show each other respect. You know, we got our wives. And it's totally cool that we're fucking multiple chicks on the side. 
As long as, hey, as long as you're not going down on them. Oh, oh, yeah, hold on. You're going down on it? What the fuck's <laughs> wrong with you? Hey, hold up, hold up. You like dick? <laughs> oh, fucking blow his head off. Yeah. Kill that fucker to avoid embarrassment. Fucking crazy. It's not the fact we're fucking criminals. That might be embarrassing. It's the fact that someone might <laughs> like dick. Yeah. And, I mean, so he was never, like, charged with that murder, but basically he was never seen again, D'Amato. Like, his, he disappeared in 92, and his body was never found. Yeah, he was never charged, the same as I was never charged with assault with bodily fluid to my old manager at Walmart. But everyone <laughs> knew what happened. Well, that's weird. Oh, yeah. So, six years later, a guy named uh, Ralph Guarano, he was arrested and flipped, and basically soon became made by Palmero. So, Palmero didn't... You know, he didn't know that this guy had been flipped. He made him. Guarano was able to successfully get this tape recording of Palmero proposing to kill D'Amato. He and, like, 39 other mobsters were arrested and charged with attempted murder. And then, like, a whole bunch of other charges. Basically, Capo, and, and, and at this point I'm talking about Tony Capo, he agreed to become an informant and then pinned Palmero for murdering Red Weiss. What the fuck are they making in mob families? It's It's like... Mob families are just making factories upon factories of fucking folding chairs. <laughs> they just fuck... Of, of fucking lawn chairs. They just fucking fold under the least amount of stress. All their fucking talk about... Oh, we're such a family and honor, respect, and... Oh, I swear to my the, the saint of my choice that should I break the Ometa, my soul will burn forever in hell. And you know what's weird is that we are barely talking about Vinny Ocean right now. And I think that speaks to Vinny Ocean. Because while all this shit is going on, this motherfucker is just riding it out like a goddamn boss. Everything going down and he is unfucking touched the whole time. He is just raise going up the ranks while everyone else is falling like fucking poorly put together fucking ikea then when they arrest palmero he basically does the exact same thing uh, first he confesses to murdering fred weiss and then he implicates another mobster louis larasso he implicates that they both were planning the murders of six other people and then he implicated several other members of the family flipped uh which allowed him to go into witness protection with his family at this point he's Basically, he's helped put his family into witness protection. And let's talk about that for a minute. Like, how fucked up is it that you can just murder people and then just flip on other people and then you're just fine? Like, there's just no repercussions at that point. I mean, there's the repercussions of the mob, but there's no, like, legal re repercussions at that point. It's like, Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I fucking murdered this guy, but I know this guy who murdered two guys. Hey, man, it's all about getting the bigger fish. If, you know, you throw out... You throw out a medium-sized fish as long as that medium-sized fish can bring in the bigger fish. And Palmero slash slash Vinny See, Ocean. to me, that's fucked up, though. It, it, and it's a bunch of fucking bullshit. It's all fucking bullshit. You watch all these fucking movies and all these TV shows, and I'm. it makes me so mad the more I did research on this because I grew up watching Scorsese and, you know, Scorsese films and The Godfather and all these great fucking mob movies. And I grew up with the concept that these guys were unfucking breakable And then the more you read about the more they're all just flim-flam 
bitches. All of them. <laughs> All the moment just a little heat comes on to them, they turn into fucking spaghetti and just turn it a little all noodly around and just willing to flip flop any which way they can. <laughs> oh, our family can never be broken. Not once, not ever. It just won't be broken. You might get arrested. Who do I gotta fuck? Who do I gotta fuck today? So you, Mr. FBI agent could give me a brand new life with all my ill-gotten mobster gains. And they keep their fucking money. It, mm, it's a bunch of bullshit. They put a murderer back on the street and they keep their fucking money. It's garbage. Listen, I'm just saying, if you're going to fucking... And this is me not being a mobster, okay? I am not a member of a criminal organization. So maybe I don't know what it is. But if you're going to fucking walk the walk, talk the talk, you need to walk the walk and not fucking flip like you're playing Pogs. <laughs> It'd be hilarious to see two mobsters just bust into your fucking apartment right now and drag you off and that, how crying you'd be here <laughs> and screaming. I would be weeping like a bitch. But listen, I'm not talking. I talk to talk, huh? <laughs> I'm talking about these guys that have flipped. Yeah, yeah. I'm willing to like good odds there are a shit ton of other hard case fucking badass mobsters who have not flipped would not flip and will spend the rest of their lives in jail for fucking you know so they'd just be you know stand-up guys who don't fucking rat and you know what i love each and every one of you you guys are fucking badasses <laughs> that's fair but i will talk shit about these fucking rats going back to him like he was in witness protection him and his family and then I guess he openly gave his son like a million dollars in cash, and so that brought some attention onto his son, which kind of jeopardized his uh, witness protection. And then in 2009, he was outed as living in Houston by the New York Daily News, uh, and he was a strip club owner and apparently was responsible for like drug deals and prostitution that were coming out of the Houston area. So like, this dude, it's not like he stopped being a bad guy after he flipped on his family. And really, like, soon after, uh, he put his mansion up for sale. It wouldn't really sell. He, like, lowered the price. Then he was sued by the former owner of the strip club that he owned, saying that he didn't pay what he bought, you know, because he's a scumbag. Uh, then he filed, like, bankruptcy uh, in 2013, kind of protecting him from, like, creditors, you know, to perform a solution and whatnot. So it's like, <laughs> this dude just pussed out big time. He just was a fucking shining rising star and then just like oh hey the kitchen it's getting a little hot here guess i should fuck everything up really bad you are in witness fucking protection what are you doing flashing around a million fucking dollars right nothing humbles your crime life quite like the fbi <laughs> yeah you would think you would learn your lesson or maybe just do it a little smarter or maybe just maybe run your fucking strip club and just don't say shit. Houston doesn't have the 60-40 fucking laws that New York had when they owned them, which was uh, Giuliani had this weird thing in the 80s because he had a strip club called Wiggles, which is just a creepy-ass fucking name for a strip club. But Mayor Giuliani in the 80s went on this huge, like, get rid of the we gotta get rid of the pornography and the hobos. And we just gotta get rid of them all. That you know, he just went on this huge thing, and they set up this weird law called sixty forty. Out of the hundred percent, if sixty percent of your income or business is a strip club, you can't have a strip club within five hundred yards or a school or a church. 
But if you have, if your income is only 40% out of the 100% from the strip club, then you're, you're, you're good to run a business, which is just some weird fucking uh, <laughs> loophole. I don't get it. But motherfucker, it's Houston. And titties are bigger than Texas. <laughs> Everything's bigger in Texas. All right. Everyone loves titties. Texas men love titties and ass. Texas women love titties and ass. You don't have to do 60-40. Fucking, you can make a killing. You're a former mobster who knows how to run a business right. No, let's fucking sell drugs and prostitution, you <laughs> stupid fuck. Really, there's only one more thing to say about uh, Vinny Ocean, because I don't think anybody knows where he is now. I think after 2013, he went back into uh, witness protection, and uh, he's kind of been off the grid since then. He's probably fucking dead at this point. That could could be. But there's one more interesting fact about him, and there's a reason that we're doing Vinny Ocean with Tony Soprano, and that is because... Tony Soprano was based on Vinny Ocean. Have you listened to... The, I love this. Have you listened to the fucking um, uh, informant tapes of when they were recording Vinny Ocean and his crew talking about the fucking Sopranos? No. That Not not Vinny Ocean, but the, the Cavalcante family. They were talking about watching the Sopranos. They all fucking loved that goddamn show. Uh, everyone loves that show. I know, but the, the mob was just like... You listen to these tapes and they're like, oh, oh, did you see they got the they got that fucking strip club, bada bing, owned by the fucking mobster. Do you know who the fuck that looks like? No, you trying to tell me that's like Vinny Ocean. Yeah, it's just fucking like him. They got bada bing, Vinny has wiggles. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's so funny how like how much mobsters love mob media. Well, yeah, because I don't know. It's a it's a dangerous criminal lifestyle and they get to see it on TV and they get to feel special and important, you know? When I see, you know, people in my industry on TV doing something cool, I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Can I can I tell you a story? Speaking of the mob. So I dated this girl. Her family was from New York. She was so Italian, she had four names. Okay? I, listen, I'm not talking shit. It's like I said, it's on the other spectrum from a redneck because a lot of rednecks have four names too. Yeah. <laughs> But we go to her family, I go to New York for the first time, right? And her family lives in the outskirts. You know, they don't live in the city. They live in a little suburb uh, somewhere. I'm not going to say where. But uh, we go to stay at her uncle's house. And uh, I'm going to call him Jimmy. That's not his name, but we're just going to call him Uncle Jimmy. All right? So we go to his house, and this motherfucker owns a mansion and a vineyard. And I straight up said, I was like, this is great house, man. Wow. And he goes, oh, it's nothing. Thank you so much. I was like, what do you do for a living? I want in on that. And he just goes, oh, don't worry about it. It's business. And I was like, no, really, what do you do? And he goes, I said I do business. <laughs> and I immediately, I just looked and went, gotcha. All righty. And then two nights later, right, we come back from the city. First time, I, first and only time I've been to New York City is fucking cool. Fucking cool as shit. Got to see Kevin Klein. And Jennifer Garner do uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. It was awesome. I loved it. And we come back, and he's sitting in the kitchen. He's got a big old bottle of wine. And I guess a wine glass, which could be the equivalent, like the Italian wine drinker version of the Big Gulp. And <laughs> he's got it filled to the brim with a little plate of cheese and sausages. And he fucking gives it to me. And he's like, oh, Joel, sit down with me. Let's talk. Oh, I want to get to know you, the man who loves my niece and who my niece loves very much. 
And I'm like, oh shit, I'm getting interviewed. So we talk, and I'm trying to drink this god-awful vinegar piss. It's terrible. It's the worst wine I've ever had in my <laughs> life. And about ten minutes into it, his fucking daughter calls him, and she's going through a divorce at the time. And he goes, oh, Joel, give me one moment. He walks into the kitchen, which is like 20 feet away, and he picks up the phone. He's just, oh, my daughter, how are you? Oh, no, everything's okay. Why are you crying? And you could just, from behind, I just saw his shoulders, and you just watched the switch fucking flip. <laughs> and this guy went, oh, he did what? He did what? Where the fuck is he? No, don't. Don't tell me not to do nothing. Where the fuck is he? I'm going to make a fucking phone call. Where the fuck is he? You know who I'm going to fucking call. And this time, I'm staring and realizing... I'm listening to a possible murder. <laughs> I look over at my girlfriend at the time, and she's just reading a book in the living room, just looks up at me with this big-ass stupid grin like, Uh-huh! This is my family! <laughs> and I look back at him, and he is still screaming about where he's gonna bury the fucking body, mm. and what's gonna happen to him, and certain names of certain people he's gonna fucking call. And he comes back to me. While he's on the phone, I've just been chugging this piss wine, thinking I'm going to just drink as much of this as I can to maybe fucking forget about it. So I get shit-faced drunk. He thinks I love his wine. I'm just hoping it can get me out of trouble. Go to bed, wake up. He's like, oh, niece, how about you go get ready? I want to I wanna talk to Joel. I'm like, oh, fuck me. I'm hungover. I hurt. I want to die. And she's like, okay. Off she goes, and he goes, Joel, just want to apologize for last night. And I am just immediately start playing stupid. I'm like, well, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? He's like, oh, no, no. You know, I said some things that might have been inappropriate. I'm like, Jimmy, I, I, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. You know exactly, because I said, and I went, Jimmy, I'm going to stop you right there. I drank a shit ton of wine. I cannot in any way, shape, or form remember and or be trusted with my memory nothing i can remember can count for shit <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about and he pauses he looks at me he goes you're a good boy you're a good boy and after that i was fucking in like flint everyone in the fucking family loved me i'm thinking either i got tested by a mobster or this was like the whole family test. <laughs> I, either way, I realized I'm never dating another fucking Italian again in my life. Tony Soprano, created in 1999 by David Chase for the HBO original series, The Sopranos. Uh, portrayed by James Gandolfini and will soon be played by his son, Michael Gandolfini, in a Sopranos prequel that will be coming to HBO. Which is pretty exciting. That is fucking scary. Yeah, he looks just like him too. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of Michael, but he looks exactly like James, just with hair. <laughs> I just remember seeing a picture of him, like, you know, when James Gandolfini passed away, they had pictures of him that taken the night before he had, you know, he passed away, and his kid is just this, you know, and I'm not, not shaming him in any way, but he was just a short, fat kid. He's a short, he's a short, fat kid that hadn't hit puberty yet, you know? We've all been there. And it just doesn't feel like it was that long ago. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's James Gandolfini's fucking clone is playing his iconic role. It's so creepy. In a cool way. I hope his kids got the chops, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for it. 
So Tony was uh, born in, on August 24th, 1959. His parents are Livia and Giovanni Soprano. He grew up with his two sisters in New York, in uh, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, his father was involved in some major crimes. His mother was like physically and verbally abusive to him and his sisters. And like, dude, I'm not sure if you've watched The Sopranos, but his mother is one of the worst fucking characters in that show. Like, she is, she is unbearable. Yeah, we have discussed serial killers' mothers, right? And like, they're terrible people for for truly like molding and making the soup that made these people want to, again, cut off little boy dicks to make nipple garters. But this woman is a cunt. (laughs) It's a harsh word, but fucking Livia Soprano is a fucking cunt. (laughs) There are two women in television that make me want to fucking pull my hair out. One is Ray Romano's wife from Everyone Loves Raymond. I don't know. I just, I hate that character. <laughs> Patricia Heaton is a amazing actress and I love her. I hate that fucking character. Hate it. And Livia fucking Soprano. They just make me want to fucking eat a forty-five caliber aspirin. Oh, yeah. And she's like insanely narcissistic. And most of the series that she's in, she's just like, oh my God, I'm just... No one loves me and you treat me so badly and that's why I'm this way is because everyone treats me so badly. Oh, if anyone loved me, maybe I would be a little nicer. (laughs) Oh, Tony, you're fucking ungrateful, you little fuck. Yeah, and and that really, like, contributes to why he's so narcissistic and why he has such a bad temper and basically the main contributor to his panic attacks, which started early in his life. Ugh. 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 I hate that bitch. I'm sorry. I hate just, I hate even thinking about her. <laughs> that that goes to, you know, the writing of David Chase and the actress who played his mother. Mm-hmm. That just goes to show what you can get when you get incredible writing and an incredible actress. And she was an incredible actress. For sure. But that just shows what an amazing combination those two were. That the Sopranos hasn't been on for what, like? 15 years? 13 years, I think 2006 yeah. was its last season. Yeah, 13 years. She died in real life in, like, the second season. Uh, maybe third, maybe, yeah, maybe. You might be right. Yeah, like the second or third season. So she's been gone for almost, like, 20 years. And yet her just thinking about her role bleh, makes me fucking furious. That just goes to show what an incredible actress and role that she created. Talking about Tony's panic attacks, like, they basically cause him to need to start therapy which is like, once again, another one of those things that's looked down upon by Italians, and the, specifically the Italian mob. Anything that makes you seem like a quote-unquote sissy is looked down upon, and therapy is one of those things, especially with somebody that's supposed to be a tough mobster, like, therapy is a big no-no. Even though many of them did it. I can understand, from a practical viewpoint, why people in the mob would have a problem with a therapist. Oh, well, Yeah. Because, you know, you're spilling your guts. Who they fucking talking about? You know, how do we not know this This isn't a plant by the FBI? Oh, hey, Baba the Goopy, Geepy, the Papa the Boopy, the Papa the Bee. That's mobster for maybe we should whack them. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, from a practical viewpoint, I can understand yeah. that. That makes business sense. It makes business sense. 
But again, it's just another, you know, it's like, oh, you know, well, 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 moral. We got respect for each other in a family. We stand by each other. No women, no children. Okay. You, you fuck this guy because he likes dick. And fuck this guy for trying to better himself mentally. <laughs> yeah, fuck you guys. Maybe if you, you know, maybe if you guys had a little bit of therapy, you wouldn't fucking fold like a bunch of poorly put, I've said it before, I'll say it again, like poorly put together fucking Ikea furniture the first time the fucking heat <laughs> pressure gets on you. Yeah, for sure. And that's like a, a running theme throughout the series is Tony's therapy sessions. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, he met his wife, Carmela, in high school. Um, he joined baseball, football, uh, almost made all-country team, and then attended Seton Hall for like the f- a first half of a semester, and then just dropped out to pursue a life of crime, like a lot like his father and uncle. So, you know, basically the two main men in his life, the two main role models were criminals, so it's not surprising that he turned to crime. And his friends, uh, Ralph uh, Cifaretto, played by, I believe, Joe Pantliano, played him, played him in the series. Oh, Joey Pants, oh, fuck you guys, huh? I know that this is not steak. I know that it's carefully crafted ones and zeros that are telling my brain that it tastes amazing and wonderful. (laughs) Ignorance is bliss. Sorry, anytime I get a chance to talk about Joey Pants, I'll do a Joey Pants impression like there's no fucking tomorrow. Uh, his other friends, Silvio Dante and Jackie Aprile Sr. were included. Tony and his crew were basically, they gained some notoriety in the mob by robbing this high-stakes card game. And he committed his first murder in 1982. Uh, he killed this small-time bookie, which kind of put him on track to being made. So, yeah, pretty early in his life was he murdering people. Yeah, uh, can, can we just take a step back real quick and talk about his wife, Carmela Edie Falco. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if I die. If I'm, if I turn ninety-eight, if I make it somehow to ninety-eight, Edie Falco is still gonna fucking do it for me. <laughs> I will be, I will be old, infirm. I will be mentally completely gone. I will be drooling, pissing, and shitting myself in a fucking wheelchair. But the moment someone mentions the great Italian American actress Edie Falco. I will pop a boner and go, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I know that's creepy, but I... Oh, Lord. That's a gorgeous woman. I I love Edie Falco. I'm sorry. No problem. That's fair. I just wanted to put that out for everyone to see, just in case my own personal Carmela is out there. How you doing, girl? So when the acting boss goes to prison, uh, Jackie Prelay takes over and then promotes Tony as his capo. And this is in 1995. Soon after, Jackie dies from cancer, and he wants Tony to be the new boss. But really, that causes some issues with the family, and they're basically on the uh, on the verge of an all-out family war. But Tony designates his uncle Junior as the boss, and uh, really as the scapegoat to the FBI if shit went down. And then Tony runs things from the streets. Which was exactly what Vinny Ocean did. He kept out his head down and and you know let everyone else take the heat, and he just kind of ran business for the whole family. At this point, Tony's mother puts some ideas in Junior's head about, you know, Tony actually wanting to run the family from the streets. So Junior actually tries to have Tony killed. Tony and his crew, like, survive, obviously. They, they believe, kill the uh, the hired guns that uh, Junior hired. They all kind of vote, and they, they retire Junior, essentially, at this point. He's just old. He's suffering from dementia. They retire him, and then Tony becomes the boss at this point. Yeah, and Uncle Junior has the exact same same fucking 
narcissistic bullshit tendencies that fucking uh, Livia has. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my my ungrateful grand, my ungrateful nephew. Look at you, always trying to take from me what is mine. I put this business together. I put this together. Me and your father. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be here, Tony. Exactly. And I kind of like, and this says something for David Chase and his uh, character of Tony Soprano, is that you'll notice throughout the whole series, Tony grapples with being a bad man, but not being that kind of bad man. Yeah, for sure. And I think that also says something to James Gandolfini's portrayal of the character is that you can see just from a facial expression how internally he is dealing with all this verbal, emotional, and mental abuse that he put up with from these two horrible fucking human beings and how he strives to be the... You know, it's like the movie Wreck-It Ralph. It's like, just because you are a bad guy does not mean you are... Bad guy. <laughs> right, exactly. And we're going to get into that a little bit like right at the end of this segment because that plays an important part in pop culture, in my opinion. And like I said, we'll get to it. Absolutely. Let's talk about the similarities here between him and Vinny Ocean and the fact that he was like a really big family man uh, in The Sopranos. Uh, him and Carmela have two kids, Anthony Jr. and Meadow. Oh, um, Meadow. Listen, I fucking loved, I loved Carmela and I loved... Fucking Meadow. Well, Meadow was pretty young when the show came out. No. <laughs> Fuck you. Yes, she was. She was. You know what I fucking mean. You mean late late season Meadow. Yes. Third, second, middle of second season Meadow when she graduated high school at 18. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Fuck you. Still weird. No, it's not. Because I was like... 21 when the show came out. 18, 21. Not that fucking weird, okay? Go <laughs> fuck yourself. Don't do this. Don't make me the fucking perv alert guy, okay? <laughs> okay. All right, deal. All right, so both kids kind of have issues with his lifestyle and they act out in their own ways, but mostly he's a loving father. He devotes himself to his kids. And he has a, uh, a nephew, uh, Christopher Maltesante, who um, he basically treats him like a son. Until he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, until he doesn't. Woo. And even that, when he doesn't love him anymore, there's like this controlled anger and almost logic yeah. to it. Yeah, it's weird. It's so... It's, it's fucked up. But go on, I'm sorry, so I'm sorry. So, throughout the show, Tony specifically murders eight people he's connected to a lot more deaths in the show uh with his orders and like stuff like that but he has no qualms with killing really even his own family members as we just said and i won't go into too much detail because i don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen the show and if you haven't seen the show it's one of my favorite shows of all time and it's on hbo so go watch it it's only six seasons long can i talk about my the, the, the one kill this was actually the first episode i ever saw the sopranos like i would again would have never thought to watch a show except the girlfriend the girl i was dating at the time the italian she got me turned on to it and tony finds a rat 
in witness in, in witness protection. And it is one of the most brutal fucking deaths. And I mean, I've watched a lot of like horror movies and gore and blood, but this is one very realistic fucking murder. And Tony and, and James Gandolfini, you fucking rat, you fucking rat, how do you like that, you fucking rat? You fuck, just, oh, oh, it creeped the shit out of me. It's even crazier because like you can see the emotion because this this guy was somebody he was close I, to. It, yeah, so it's like there was that love and then that pure hate for what he did. Yeah, it's it that one that scene right there really that was that was the first episode I ever saw and that fucking sold me. I was fucking in. I mean, there was at least logic behind Tony's murders. Like he usually only killed people that he didn't trust anymore or he felt like like had flipped or they deliberately disobeyed his orders. So like it wasn't like he was like willy-nilly serial killing or something like that. His his murders were they had logic at least to him behind them. Are you telling me you fuck you fucking killed the horse? Yeah, I killed the horse, Tony. Kabong! <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because Tony actually had an like once again an affinity for animals. His one of his favorite things to do in the earlier seasons was go into his pool and feed his ducks. Like a family of ducks made a made like a little home out of his pool. And he would go out there and uh, and he would feed them. And actually, when they grew up and flew away, was one of his like first panic attacks in years. And he thought he was having a heart attack. And that's basically what kind of started going to therapy and like trying to figure out, you know, what was going on. But like, like you had said, his horse died in a uh, in a fire, and he was like devastated about that. He was really upset when his nephew accidentally suffocated his girlfriend's dog because he sat on the. I think he got high on heroin. Or something, and like fucking laid on the dog on the couch and like suffocated it. He was like, "I should suffocate you, you fucking." I don't remember what he calls him, but uh, <laughs> he points at him. He's like, "I should fucking suck, suffocate you." That see, and it's it's shit like that where you fall asleep and you like squish a little animal. Right. That always scared me whenever when I had my uh, when whenever the boys were little baby, my kids were little babies. I couldn't sleep in the same bed right next to them. Because I was so scared. It's like if they're going to fucking lay over and kill a dog, my fat ass fucking rolls over all the goddamn time. I would just squish my kid. And I know many parents that do it, but it is advised against. Co-sleeping is advised against because of that reason. <laughs> that, that just, oh, I get the heebie-jeebies every fucking time. To me, it's just not worth it. Like, it's just not worth the risk. I hear you. It's just something about it just gives me the fucking heebie-jeebies every time. Tony's been shot multiple times. Uh, he was even put into a coma. Uh, woke up from the coma after having dreams about dying and kind of moving on. And uh, had this bit of a changed heart uh, about his lifestyle. And kind of slowed down a little bit. And uh, by the end of the series, like the bosses kind of think that Tony and his crew have become more trouble than they're worth. And they put a hit out on, uh, on him and his capos. And a, a few of them bite it but most of them survive i'm not going to go into details because i don't want to like once again spoil a 13 year old show but yeah it's a great 13 year old show that if you guys haven't fucking watched you need to watch because i won't i won't no spoilers but it is that just the intrigue i guess for lack of a better term political intrigue that goes into just the whole setup to tony and his crew being on the receiving end of the whack is fucking brilliant. Again, David Chase is a fucking genius. 
He really is. And I think that we should tell our listeners, like, if you haven't watched the show and you plan on it, you should t- tune out now. Because we have to talk about the ending of the show. Like, it's it's one of the most controversial endings of a TV series of all time. So, if you haven't, give us a pause and come back later. Uh, if not, we're moving on. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. Street lights. People. <laughs> so the series ends with Tony eating onion rings with his family at this diner and like two suspicious male, two suspicious men walk in uh, while Don't Stop Believing is playing on the jukebox. And uh, it's kind of like a shout out to Godfather a little bit, but uh, basically they go into the bathroom and he, Tony's just there eating with his family and the music's playing and then the screen just goes black. And that's it. Yeah, Tony just Tony just kind of looks up at the Tony does like a look like a look at the camera and the poof black. There's no semblance of like something happening. There's no there's no reaction or anything like that. Like it just ends. And David Chase to this day, he just says that's the way it's supposed to be. Like there's no and there are some things like earlier in the series like one of Tony's uh one of Tony's crew Talks about when you die, he thinks that everything just goes black suddenly, and then that's the end of, of everything. Which, there could be a shout-out to that, or it could just be, that's the end. Because David Chase did talk about doing a movie after the show ended, um, but, of course, James Gandolfini passed away. So, it's uh, it's really interesting. A lot of people really hate it. I don't mind it too much. It doesn't really bother me, because I enjoy the series so much. But there are many, many people who fucking hate hate this ending yeah and it was kind of the setup for like and you began to see other shows trying to emulate that ending i think the most popular one would have to be the ending of dexter uh yeah where where it ends with just him with an unfortunate beard and being alone with an unfortunate beard and then just being a fucking lumberjack well that's how it ended no real explanation as to what the fuck is happened what what sorry for those of you were spoiling dexter for but the last season of that was a complete piece of shit i i kind of liked it i'm sorry i there were a couple parts of it where it's like well that wasn't necessary <laughs> but other than that i i really didn't have a problem with it i i kind of like all right it. so let's talk about the pop culture aspect of this because this is what i really enjoy and like have actually read up quite a bit on over the past few years not just in general but like those of you who are fans of just modern tv and especially like your netflix shows your hbo shows like your big budget shows that get a lot of traction tony soprano was the pioneer of the likable villain in tv yeah he was the archetype he really was there was with without tony soprano you don't get vic Mackey from the shield you don't get Walter White from Breaking Bad. Say my name. You don't. You don't get Al Swearingen from from Deadwood. You don't get the guy from Mad Men. These characters do not exist without Tony Soprano. Okay, I completely agree. But quick question for you: Who would win in a fight, Tony Soprano versus Al Swearingen? Who's fucking? Who's coming out on top? I think Tony. Really. He's much more, he's much more like, he's kind of a pussy. How the fuck do you figure that? <laughs> like, he's just, I mean, he wasn't really physical in the show, you know? 
He did get the he did get the kidney stones taken out of him. Yeah, but no, like no. I, I was thinking about how he was explaining how that you know he helped build the saloon and how you know he took those beatings and getting his fingers cut off and still fucking making smart ass yeah. comments after he's fucking cutting off you know parts of fingers. I'm gonna have to say Al Swearingen for the win. It's it's really amazing because you take this and Dexter is another one since we when since we brought him up like. You take these characters that are very clearly in in the in the the naked eye to the normal person, horrible fucking people, murderers, scumbags, fucking drug dealers, like liars, cheaters, like all of these things, and somehow because of the way that they're played, you fucking love them. It's like you root for them almost because yeah, you see the humanity in the villain. Because on the bowler scale, they would be pretty fucking low. Mm-hmm. Because they still have parts of their humanity. And that, that again, I've said it. This will be the fourth time i fucking said it. Tony Soprano, in particular, is a testament to David Chase's writing and character and, and James Gandolfini's performance because you can see the humanity in the monster. You can see the pain and, the, the uh, for lack of a better term, the psychic damage that his choices are causing him, but you can also see the the good in the choices that he's making to be bad. It, it's such a tightrope to walk, and I can understand why they ended the show the way they did, because, you know, James Gandolfini said, I can't fucking do this anymore, because he's pretty much kind of a method actor, and he really got into the role, and he said multiple places, it was really affecting my personal life. You know, it was kind of, those, those personality traits of Tony were kind of taken over. Yeah, he felt like a bad person. Even though he wasn't doing anything bad, he said that he felt like a bad person. That that doesn't really translate well into uh, the real world. Those particular behaviors don't translate that well. Right, and I think that they ended the series like that because, Tony, because uh, James Gandolfini did say he would be open to return for a movie. So I think that... I think they they ended it exactly how they wanted. Now to they're going to make the new Soprano movie. And it's going to be like Polly. The whole movie's just going to be him, Polly Walnuts trying to work a fucking Ouija board. <laughs> oh, Tony, can you fucking hear me here? Oh, hey, am I moving this or is it moving on its own? Oh, it's that paranormal activity bullshit. Tone, what are we doing here? Uh, talk about scumbags, dude. <laughs> did you know? And this is off record for you, fine folks. This has nothing to do with the Sopranos. But did you know that the the actor who played Polly Walnuts was in fact an actual member of uh, or, uh, a unnamed criminal organization? And like, I said, yes, I did know that actually. And did you know that Silvio was is a member of Bruce Springsteen Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band? Yes, I did. When I saw him. <laughs> come out on screen as Silvio, I just went, holy shit, is that the guy from Bruce Springsteen? What the shit? Because it's hard to forget that fucking face. Oh, yeah, he's got the, like, most bulldog face of all time. Like, the jowls. He's got the best jowls ever. And if you folks really love The Sopranos and you liked that character, Silvio, if you get a chance, go on Netflix and look up a show called Lilyhammer. Oh, so good. It was a show made in, I think it was Sweden. Like, I think for the most part, he was the only character that spoke English for them. And, like, every, he he acted out his lines. And then everyone else who was Swedish actors just kind of acted like they understood what the fuck he was saying. And, and it actually really worked. It was a great show. Lasted three seasons. All right, buddy. You ready to move on to the bowler hat scale? Oh, yeah. 
am. This one, this one's going to be a little controversial. Okay. Controversial with between us or with the listeners? I don't know. We're going to see how this works out. Okay. Show me what you got. Well, first off, let's start with uh, you know Vinny Ocean. You know what? Vin, now Vinny's going to go a little higher on the scale because he is a real world villain. All right, and there's no question about it. But as as smart as he was, and then as stupid as he was towards the end, I'm going to put him at like a 6.57. Because in all honesty, like when you hear about the five families in New York, you hear about the just a shitload of fucking bodies everywhere. Yeah, Drowning Pool would be playing consistently. Right. <laughs> There's a fucking na- band I haven't thought of in years. Wow. Yeah, let the bodies at the floor, yep. you know. I just rewatched <laughs> I just rewatched the one the other day, so Yes. Was it was it because of our podcast? Yes, the most <laughs> new medleyest of soundtracks. But you don't hear about that with him. Yeah. You don't hear about innocent bystanders. You hear about people in the business getting the business. And then that's it. You don't hear about much else. You know, I mean, oh yeah, okay, so some guy like, that was bisexual, and you know, he, uh, Vinny Ocean killed him. But as far as fucking real life villains go, he wasn't that bad of a real life villain. I know that sounds jaded and terrible, but he's gonna get a 6.57 from me. Yeah, I'd probably put him around 6 as well. The fact that he was real and Tony Soprano was not real doesn't really weigh one way or the other, because we're using them on the same scale. We're not really thinking... I'm trying to think of them as both both of their platforms are real life. But either way, what I'm thinking of it as is like in comparison to the other people that we've had to measure. And he just doesn't come anywhere close to Jeffrey Dahmer or, mm-hmm. you know, fucking Hannibal Lecter or people that are like essentially killing for sport at this point. You know, Vinny Ocean and Tony Soprano, they're killing on order like it's not like that they're just going to kill random people they're making calculated kills essentially it's almost like contract killing at this point they're just like okay well i've been ordered to kill you i'm gonna kill you so sorry but which is why i think they're released to the public so easily by the fbi is because these aren't people that really you would have to worry about going on a killing spree or or doing this over and over and over again like because these are these are this was essentially part of their job yeah i i i agree i just yeah this is it's it's it this these two are difficult because tony soprano for me is gonna go i'm gonna give him a six and i give him a six six or they gotta be the same score basically uh i know because i think with because tony soprano is not real and and, and, uh, He's a fictional character, so we get to see more of him and his personal life and his motivations, whereas we don't really have that with Vinny Ocean. And with Tony, I kind of almost want him a 5.5, but I got to keep him at a 6. Yeah, he murdered eight people by himself. Right. (laughs) It's hard to, when you see the humanity in these particular villains, to rate them higher. Because you see the humanity in them, you kind of see the redemptive qualities that could be there for him. 
So I'm going to have to say Tony gets a gets a is squeaking by at a six. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to put them both at six. I'm going to give them both the same scores. All right. All right. I'm sure we're going to get some angry email. I've been getting them left and right. <laughs> Speaking of angry emails, are you ready to move on to the listener feedback? Not really, because I know what which one is coming, but fuck it, right? All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get us started off. And uh, this was uh, this piece of feedback is from John Grant from Twitter. He says, jelly donuts for a cult class. Count me in, Stephen. I do love some donuts. Seriously, fellas, this was definitely an interesting episode for sure. Oh, I know you like jelly donuts, John. Piece of shit. <laughs> Always talking shit. I, I, wow. No, again, again, I went to college with John. He's a great guy, but he's a piece of shit. Fuck you, John. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I would, you know, I'm just glad that I already have a follower in my cult. Like, that's that's pretty fucking good. It's only been a week, and I have a, a devoted follower. I didn't even need to do anything. I just... Offered the prospect of donuts. It's like South Park the movie. Uh, we heard there's going to be punch and pie. <laughs> yeah, like I don't even really need to. I didn't even really need to try. I, I could be a great cult leader. You would be a terrible cult leader. <laughs> you wow. would be the worst fucking cult leader. That is just unsupportive. No, I think you're you're, you're an unsupportive to, co-host. You're I'm so to be sorry. I'm not supporting your whole <laughs> desire to become a fucking cult leader. You're just a bad friend. All you're right. a bad friend. <laughs> Well, you you wouldn't be the first woman to say that to me. I, oh, oh wow. I'm so sorry. Next up, we have a feedback from Miss Sarah. Sarah says, love this show. Joel and Steven know what they're talking about. If only... <laughs> no, we don't. And if one doesn't, the other will undoubtedly call him out. They're also hilarious, perfectly irreverent, and clearly excited to share their knowledge and have some really bad jokes. XO... XO, Sarah. I know she's talking about you, Joel, when she says bad jokes. No, no. Listen, Captain. Listen, Captain Puns. It's not me. You've been you've been coming in here. <laughs> you've been coming in the past five episodes with just some puns that shouldn't even be considered dad jokes. They are. They are fucking rough. Vinny Ocean waves. That is gold. That, that is, is fucking gold. gold. That is. That is here. You want me to give you a gold joke? I will give you a gold joke right here, right now, right off the top of my head. Okay. Why do Swedish warships have barcodes painted on the side of them? So when they go to port, they can Scandinavian. Boom. That's a quality joke. You're trying not to grin right now. I can see it on your fucking face. Fuck you. I promise you I'm not. But thank you, Sarah. <laughs> I, <laughs> it was a great joke. It makes me giggle. That's a really, really, really great piece of feedback, Sarah. We appreciate it. And she used that as a recommendation on Facebook. So we really appreciate that. And the XOXO, that, that, I like that. So thank it you. warms your heart. It warms. It warms our hearts. Yes, it does. Next piece of feedback is from Jessica. She says, the angel of death thing still goes on a lot. There's a woman from the UK named Lucy Letby that has killed eight babies and is under suspicion of trying to kill another nine. She's only 29 years old. And yeah, so I looked this up and that happened this year. Jesus. Jesus. I, uh, the UK. The UK. <laughs> uh, they are some, they are, I, I love the UK, but they are some weird, they, they are some weird people sometimes. Our next piece of feedback comes from Brandy. 
She says, I am several episodes behind, but I listen to you guys while working on Sundays. You guys, you guys sound like you thoroughly enjoy what you're talking about. You have fun and mesh well together. Thank you, Brandy. I, I like to think... I'm going to be real with you, Stephen. I was genuinely concerned when this first started how well we would mesh with the joking back and forth. Like, I didn't know... I think we do a pretty good job. We do a good job. Our, our My only experience with uh, podcasting with you is with as NPM. Uh, and you've got, you know, three other people on there. So I, I, I didn't quite know how our personality... I have been pleasantly surprised this entire time. And I, I love you, buddy. XOXO. I love you too, man. XOXO. Oh, goody. How about... No, look at Brandy bringing us together. Yeah. Now, now let's just get to this... The fucking piece of feedback you have been dying to fucking get to. You decided to roast me with Meg's comment about fucking Rob Zombie whenever she decided to to message us. So this, I'm just going to soak this in and enjoy it while I can. Okay? All right. I, all right. This is a piece of feedback from Adam, a faithful listener who left us uh, some feedback on the United Cypher website. He said, Hi, guys. Great show. As a listener from Over the Pond... And from the great county of Yorkshire, I would like to take the opportunity to educate you about the differences between a Southern English slash London accent, which was imitated so effectively by you during the show, and the Yorkshire accent, which is likely to have been spewing from the demonic mouth of Michael Taylor. Hold on. Now, before you go any further, before you go any further, <laughs> I just want to say the Southern English London accent, which was imitated so effectively <laughs> effectively okay go on okay okay first a shining example of yorkshire goodness is sean bean londoners generally sound like jason statham to a yorkshire man even i imagine a yorkshire demon getting the two muddled is generally unforgivable imagine confusing a texas accent with that of a new york accent i hope this helps no doubt you will be dealing with the Yorkshire Ripper at some point, who is a proper psycho. Adam, great feedback. I just want to tell you, thank you. Thank you for this feedback, because I have told Joel many, many times to stop doing accents. No, but I, I get what you're saying. Like, I dated a girl from, from the Yorkshire area, so I know the difference. And I get what you're saying. You've talked about like four different girls from different countries that you've dated in this single podcast. What is the matter with you? I talked. <laughs> I talked about two girls, one from whose family was from Sicily, and the other who was fucking who's from the Yorkshire County. Mm, I feel like there was another one, like right outside a hole, Adam. Right outside a hole. So you 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 get the general idea that I'm talking about. But no, man, the Yorkshire accents fucking hard it's got this kind of almost like i wouldn't say guttural but there's very throatiness about the guys and the certain words that you have to say and the way that you say it that it would take an extremely long time for me to to really master it but you know the jason statham londoner i can do but i get what you're saying and i'll i'll endeavor to improve my craft for you. Really, we just appreciate the fact that, number one, you're listening to the show well enough to correct us on our bullshit. And number two, uh, 
you're going to continue to listen to the show when we undoubtedly continue to make stupid fucking accents. I think my accents were great this episode. I'm just saying. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, but Adam, thank you. Thank you. For sure, for sure. All right, guys. Joel, isn't it amazing to just have a constant flow of feedback, like, every week? It usually is until someone tells you your accents suck. Then, you know. (laughs) Well, one second he tells me I have an exceptional accent, and then the next it's you suck. It is, it's very, it's very bipolar. <laughs> He's playing with and your emotions. But I, no, I'm, I, I'm joking. Yes, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying the fact that we have a very vocal, uh, a fan base. And I am immensely appreciative of each and every one of you. All joking aside, all my whole, you know, exaggerated, uh, podcast caricature aside, legitimately, I am thoroughly appreciative of each and every one of you for, the fact that you take time out of your day to listen to my stupid fucking voice <laughs> and the dumb shit that comes out of it, and then to give us po- you know positive feedback, even negative feedback, still positive feedback. It, I I just want to say I really appreciate everyone. Thank you. And I really appreciate everybody listening to me edit your stupid fucking voice. There it is. That is. Oh. My voice isn't stupid. Oh no no. <laughs> Like a Caucasian Barry White, just, mm. <laughs> you talk Thank and you. I get so hard Thank every you. time. Thank you. <laughs> I'm never ever gonna quit, that just ain't my stick. Girl, I just can't live without you. All right, guys. Well, you know, once again, thank you so much for the continued support and engagement. You know, we love talking to you guys just as much as we love doing the research and recording the podcast. And, you know, if you'd like to tell your friends about us and spread the word, that'll help us out a whole lot. And they can find us on Spotify. They can find us on iTunes, which is soon to become Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can find us on Pod Paradise, iHeartRadio, or you can go straight to the source at unitedcypher.com. Please feel free to subscribe, to follow, stream, download. Uh, And what really gets us, you know, in front of people are the shares and recommendations on Facebook, as well as the rating and reviews on iTunes. We would be just really appreciative if you guys can help us out with that. Speaking of Facebook, it's a great place to not only leave us some feedback, but to see awesome exclusive content that has to do with our episodes. Uh, You can find us there. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Curly Mustache Podcast. And if you like the show, check out some others from United Cypher like Music Video Countdown and Motion Picture Meltdown. And you can go back and listen to some older episodes of uh, shows that we had like the Anime Alphabet, Talks Over Games, and the Fallout Forecast. And then lastly, check out some shows from friend of ours. Check out some shows from friends of ours like Nerdonomy, The Whiskey Reel, Sorry to Waste Your Time, and Code Yellow, a Scare Actors podcast. I just I kind of want to know personally how many fans or listeners do we have that are in the UK and Ireland? Because I'm going to Ireland in November and I kind of think it'd be kind of cool to do like a little meetup for anyone who's going to be in I- listeners we have in Ireland. So, like, on the Facebook page, let us know. I kind of would like to set something up. I think it would be super cool. Maybe we should make some really awesome Curly Mustache Podcast stickers for you to give them. I will give so many fucking Curly Mustache Podcasts to fans uh, who have, you know, who are in Ireland or in the surrounding area that want to do a meetup. Come on, people. Do it. it. All right, guys. With that being said, I'm Steven. I'm Joel. And make sure you stay evil. Uh, hey, <laughs> we're fucking evil. Tony, oh, Baba Gooey, da ba la la.
Hey. Oh. Alright, is this the end? We're done? Oh, hey, fuck this, I'm out.